Welcome to the Going For Two podcast, the podcast that considers all its listeners, friends, and family, mostly because they are. Uh, Logan, what's going on? Today we're joined by someone, a special someone, another guest episode. I'm pumped. It's not just me and Logan. Logan, do you want to do a nice intro? Yes, this, our guest today is the esteemed Colin Weeder. And let me tell you, like, we're moving up in the world. Like first, last episode, we got a sports, a legit sports reporter in Daniel Zapata, who is friends with Colin. And now we've got Colin, who is actually a sports editor at the Clinton Daily News. So <laughs> what are we doing? Are we doing something right, Ben? Uh, we must be. Uh, I think we just have friends in high places. You know, yeah. we're just trying to take advantage of that. Although. I think we may have exhausted all our sports reporter friends. Yeah, so. that's, probably, that's probably about it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, but esteemed is, is a bit high. <laughs> so, Colin, I started something on our last episode where I'm going to admit something to every one of our guests. And um, for you, Colin, we, lived, we both lived in maybe dorm freshman year. Right. I actually lived in McKinsey. No, you lived in McKinsey. Okay. I did. So that I really did. throws off my theory here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but it, it really sorry. clears things up for me because so I had a shirt. Yeah. And it was the purple Adidas ACU football shirt. Yes. Yeah. And then it went missing. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, Colin's got my shirt. Do you, <laughs> you fully but, believe that was me this whole time? Well, you know, about half and half. I talked myself out of it, you know. Um, man, once I finally got to know you through ACU camps, I was like, I don't think Colin would steal my shirt. Like, he wouldn't do that. 100%. I, I did not steal that shirt. For anybody listening, like, I, I remember because <laughs> it was the day that they released the logo, and I was such a fanboy very much. My first year when we moved to Adidas, I was like, oh, we're big time now. Like, yeah. so I remember I went to the campus store like immediately and I was like, I saw, I think it was like that dry fit or whatever mm -hmm. that, that Adidas had, whatever they call it. The, I don't even know, but I, I went in and I was like, I got to have that shirt. And so I, I promise I bought it. I did not steal it from you. I hope you, know, <laughs> I hope I can reverse the past for past Logan, not to think of that of me, but <laughs> okay, I, mean, I was I wondering what, I what you, you Colin, I believe you. What made you think this call was the fact that he had the same shirt or he just looked suspicious? I, I don't know. It, it must have been like right <laughs> as I was like, where's my shirt? And then I must have seen Colin wearing it. I had no real evidence or reason to think that Colin stole my shirt, but I did. I, I, that was I freshman Logan. I definitely had that exact shirt and I wore it to games. I probably wore it with him when we were playing intramural football for all I know my our, our senior year. Which, which we made a great connection as, by the way. Like, I still, I still think that all the time. I was like, man, Logan could spin the rock. Like, <laughs> don't let anyone tell you differently. Logan, Logan downplays it all the time. But that man can play some football. And he's, he's got a little, bit of, a little bit of swagger to him, too. He was, I always knew Logan is kind of a quiet guy. Yeah. And, and even from camps, like, he opened up to us a lot, like, talk. But then we started playing some football. I was like, Logan's got a little bit of an edge in there. There's a little bit yeah, of competitive spirit. I, I, I like it a whole lot. Daryl, yeah, I said oh, yeah. a little bit of Baker Mayfield-esque in him. Oh, I gosh. I just did that. <laughs> Feeling kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I wish you could, could have picked anybody else to compare me to. But I know. Wow. I did that just for you because I knew of your, your, your Texas love and allegiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, that's, again, our guests are just providing us with the perfect segues 
let's talk some college football today. Wow, there it is. So, I mean, the big question, before we can talk any specifics, Colin, what's college football going to look like this season? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's hard to even really, really get a real picture. I've seen so many theories. Um, it's kind of hard to tell because even today I just got told, you know, we, we cover like the little leagues out here during the summer when I'm not covering high school sports. Um, you know, you have the little leagues going on in the summer. They canceled those. So, I mean, if that tells you even where we are, like the, the, the lowest level um, of athletics, like, I mean, and, and some have obviously started. I've heard some of the high school kids talk about their travel ball teams are opening up. Things are starting to get there. But whenever you're hearing that even like little league, AAU, stuff like that's being called into question, you're like, man, can we get to a point of talking about college football yet? Like when I've heard people be like, oh, we're having it. I'm like how can you say that when we don't even know if the lowest level is going to be starting back up yet? So, and even when I talked to the high school coach at Clinton, he's like, I, I have no clue yet. We, we don't know. I mean, they said June 1st is when we'll start back up, but I would think if you were going to start back up college football, it would have to have uh, some sort of social distancing. It would have to have a limit on fans. Um, and maybe it just be, uh, friends and family of the of the players and they only give out a certain amount of tickets and then they allow a certain amount of student sections certain amount of band members this or that and then you know they may just have to operate um, under that for a little bit and then maybe pump in I saw somewhere where the NFL is like we may pump in crowd noise and I'm like honestly mm. as weird as that sounds mm. I know no player wants to play in a game where there's no noise and you're playing a seven on seven atmosphere when it's like you're It'd be a weird sensation to me playing the Red River rivalry, watching that on TV and being like, mm -hmm. okay, they have 20,000 people there, which looks like 10 people when it's in the Cotton Bowl and there's no noise. Yeah. So I'm like, you'd mm -hmm. have to have some sort of noise, I would feel like. Um, but, but that's what I would think is they probably have a limited amount of fans unless they want to kick it down the road a little bit. But I, I, for me, I'm, I'm more on the safe side. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they, they may need to still enact some social distancing and, and some other things until then. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I was thinking of, we, we were speaking to um, Daniel the other day about reopening and, um, and I was speaking with, I believe some friends about the NFL reopening. And one of the reasons why I was thinking, um, you know, they may transition and be ready by the time the first game come the first regular season game comes around is because of how much money is thrown around in the NFL and how much power the owners have and the teams have. Uh, but that's not the case for, for all of college football, you know, for the bigger schools, certainly. But when you start getting into more of those non-power five schools and certainly not the outside of division two and three, I think that those schools are really might not see. And especially as colleges are saying, we're not even sure if we're going to have class, you know, right. having students right. back on campus. Um, that's certainly a, a predicting factor to me that they just don't know what's going on. Yeah, but that's interesting that you said that the high school coaches in your area uh, really don't have any idea what's going to happen yet. Um, in their world, do they have a, a contingency plan? I mean, have they been talking about starting the season later or There's canceling at all? It's totally, like, up in the air. Um, oh. Cancellations haven't been talked about. I know that yet. Mm -hmm. um, that, 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 that none of it's gone that far. They have yeah. talked about, you know, we, the, the organizing body like UIL is for Texas is OSSAA for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, and they have talked about, you know, we're going to start up. The plan is to start up, uh, at least with summer workouts, June 1st. Until then, it's all virtual, no contact. But, I mean, they've, they've, they've listed out these timelines before. 
uh, and then things totally change. They just do that so they can have some sort of a, a schedule for maybe when things will start back up. But if things haven't gotten any better, they, they'll just kick it down the road. Um, yeah. So, but I haven't heard anything about canceling. And, and you're right about money, money talks and money drives. And unfortunately, whether that's something that, that um, people approve of or not, I know, you know, the NFL has so much money that that could be something, you know, where they, they say, well, we, you know, we, we can't just not play the mm -hmm. season. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing with college football and, and that, that, that they feel like they have to play in order to keep this money going, to keep the economy going. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that fact at all times, and some may disagree, but, uh, you know, there's ways to probably do it. It may not be to the full effect. You may not get full college football, full NFL this season, but you may have to go um, with that for a while. But you made a great point, Ben. I think, you know, outside of the Power Fives, even the group of fives, I saw figures one time. I can't remember, honestly, the source. I'm going off of off a source I can't name, but I remember I read it in an article uh, somewhere where it was like, even Boise State, if you think of them, they break even. Like, they don't, they don't actually make a ton of money. They break even. And they're one of the most successful non-Power 5 school, schools in the country. So you got to believe, you know, your FCS teams, if you're canceling games with them, uh, let's take, like, you know, hometown ACU. Um, I know, you know, how much money we made plenty of times off of schools like Troy, Georgia State, you know, getting those six-figure games. When you're not getting those, programs will shut down. I mean, there's no doubt football is the biggest, uh, most costly sport of any sport for college athletics. So if you're not playing those big FBS schools, you're, you're losing money. Yeah. That, that's a really fascinating stat about the Boise state line. I didn't know that. Um, so I, I, I know, you know, we want to definitely want to get your take on um, more college football. So I don't want to derail us from that, but I just had a thought about uh, one thing that I've been kind of curious is um, so when I played high school football, I was trying to get recruited and play in college and things like that. I didn't mm -hmm. you know, end up, taking that route. Um, but I was trying to, and the junior and season, senior years are some of the most important years for these high school players. If their season gets canceled, how much does that derail these players that are trying to get recruited and go to college to play football? Oh, it's already derailed. Oh man. It's, it's been tough to listen to, especially I've been here about four years. So I've followed these, this senior class from freshman to senior year. So I know a lot of them pretty well. I know the parents and there were a bunch, whether it be golf, baseball, soccer. I mean, just listen, so many different sports. Kids were banking on this season. They're like, yeah. this is my season to go and get a scholarship. And, you know, I needed, or, or they needed more film or they needed something. And every time I would get on the phone with them, because we do senior pre, or we do senior profiles on each senior. So I would talk to them and they'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to end up going to school because, you know, I didn't get my senior year. So no colleges mm -hmm. came coming, yeah. came calling. So yeah. it's kind of the same thing. So football, doesn't happen. I mean, that was absolutely a possibility that kids wouldn't be getting scholarships. You'd be losing out on, on kids that would be late bloomers, you know, junior, senior yeah. kids who didn't play a whole lot early in their careers. Ben, it, it wouldn't have affected me. I probably would have got recruited more uh, because I was a backup my senior year. Um, and yeah, but I played a lot my junior year on JV. So 26 yeah, touchdowns, you know, no big deal. Throw that out there. If, if you didn't have your senior year, though, I don't think the Trojans would have recruited you to be their intramural quarterback. So That's probably true. That and it was film on you, I think. That so. one touchdown I scored against Grand Saline week one got me the <laughs> starting job for the Trojans three or four years later. Yeah. I love that he knew his JV stats off the top of his yeah. head. 
Yeah. I absolutely, I, I absolutely love that. Cause I, he also, but he had, he put up great numbers in the, in, in the, in the flag football league. Don't, again, don't let yeah. him mislead you. He, he put up good numbers there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, you might be on to something, Colin, a lot like Baker Mayfield. I put up some numbers, but I just couldn't get the wins. <laughs> we did not win a game that, that season. That is not right. <laughs> <laughs> just going right at him. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Colin, um, you cover the Oklahoma schools. You're, you're from Texas, kind of in the heart of the Big 12. Where does the Big 12 currently rank among other conferences when it comes to football? Oh, well, this one, this one is, uh, uh, this is probably going to get me in a lot of trouble with people up in Oklahoma and in Texas because I'm probably not to, I'm probably about to make them not very happy, but they know that. I've written columns before. I've been like, you know, I've bragged on Oklahoma's defense hundreds of times. Um, but, but I would probably say for me, they rank third. Um, the SEC, okay. you know, especially after this year, which I know people hate hearing those three letters uh, repeated after bowl wins, but uh, they had the best season. They've had the most consistent success. Um, from not only just the BCS era, but to the college football playoff era. They've had the most success, whether it be Alabama, LSU, Florida had a great run with Tim Tebow. Auburn's had uh, two national championship appearances. They had the win with Cam Newton. You go down the line of how many years in a row, that conference has just dominated the competition. Um, and, and they're not just good at the top. They have teams that have uh, continuously won, you know, whether it be their second or third team in both divisions. Um, and then for me, it goes uh, Big Ten. Uh, phenomenal play at the top. Ohio State's always a constant threat, just like Clemson or Alabama. They're that number three school, uh, kind of interchangeable at one, two, or three every single year. Um, and then there's always solid teams like a Penn State, a Wisconsin, now a Minnesota. You mix that in. And, and the Big 12 is – this is what's tough, is the Big 12 has quality teams, and they've done well, mm -hmm. um, done well for themselves, and it especially helped that they had some – some some better bowl wins this year to get uh you know with 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 UT beating a Utah team that most people probably didn't see happening, um, but their problem basically stems from the fact that their best team for the last few years has been OU and OU hasn't been able to win in the college football playoff. I mean, you know, people always make fun of that league for not having defense, and truly they haven't had great defense at its best team. Now this year, uh, defense got a lot better, uh, improved dramatically. I think it was a middle of the pack. Uh, defense in, in, in all of college football. So, you know, if that continues to rise, um, you know, that'd be something to watch for the future. If their defense rises up, uh, the sky's the limit for them. They're definitely in there. And then, uh, you know, just to throw a fun one out there for you, the ACC is fourth for me because it's the all Clemson conference. I think that's what they should just rename <laughs> it to because it's Clemson and everybody else is not even a contest. So that was, that was, I just want to throw that out there. I know we're not ranking beyond the big 12, but that's what big 12 ranks for me. So you've got <laughs> Pac-12 bottom of the pack. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're horrid. And, I, and, and what's terrible is, is I, I've always kind of had a small rooting interest in Oregon. I've always liked them. I, I'm not going to lie. It was during the whole, uh, you know, uniform adding and changing idea. I've always, right. and, yeah. and plus they, uh, you know, they've, whenever they played Auburn, I didn't like Cam Newton at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm going to definitely root for them. So I hate to say that about the Pac-12, but. God, they've been so bad for so long. I mean, it's they they are kind of almost laughable at this point to me. But but it, <laughs> if not for Clemson, then the ACC is like below two or three group of five conferences, right? Like they're that bad. Fair point. Fair, <laughs> absolutely. I I would I would 
absolutely agree with that. Because the American is, you know, I'm a big supporter of the American. <laughs> they, they, they compete pretty well. And honestly, I'd probably put the AAC over the ACC if you take oh out those. <laughs> just in a joking way, but they've had some good teams. So, I mean, Houston, Houston beat Florida State just four years ago in the Peach Bowl. So, I mean. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, here's the, the question that's killing me, Colin. And I've, I'm sure that it's killing you, too because we're on opposite sides of rooting interest of this conundrum. Texas produces the most pro talent from their Texas high schools. It was proven out in this draft and it's been proven out for years, but the premier programs in Texas are, have been, I mean, not terrible, but subpar. They have not been elite in any form or fashion in Texas A&M or UT. What, What's going on there, and why can't those premier programs with those histories keep that elite talent in state? You know, I think it's it's the spread the spread spread amount of talent. I mean, you look at um, especially I go to twenty four seven sports a whole lot and look up you know top recruits where they're ranking, and um, I think I just looked at it yesterday and I was like three out of the top five you see are going to different schools, and I think that comes from national exposure. Um, you know, mm. everything that felt you know schools and places that may have felt. 10,000 miles away in your mind, you know, they don't feel so far away whenever you're seeing them on national television. When you see Ohio State, you know, winning Big Ten championships, having the seasons that they do, breaking records, you go, man, I don't, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind going to Columbus, you know, so that's, that's one of those things. And then Alabama, obviously, is always a power, and, and they're, not, they're not as far, but, you know, whenever you're seeing schools constantly have success and you want to be a part of a winning program, you know, you're going to go to schools that, that, that have consistently won. And honestly, really since, um, since, since I would say, oh, shoot, the, the, the Colt McCoy years, I'm about to go right at you, Logan, I'm sorry, but the Colt McCoy years, Texas hasn't been consistently a winner. Um, and then A&M, you know, as much as I've always had a, you know, that, that has been my team since I've been growing up, A&M, they've not been able to hold enough here. They've not been able to develop it. You know, Kevin Sumlin struggled to develop a lot of talent when he did get it in and um, you know, plenty of schools have just spread out the talent. And then the other thing is when you add in TCU, when TCU joined the Big 12, that started pulling a lot of recruits that may have gone to a, a Texas or a Texas A&M, which were right there. You know, a lot of those athletes are in the heart of that DFW area. Now they're jumping over to a TCU. So those big programs like Texas, Texas A&M are losing recruits, not only to out-of-state uh, out-of-state programs, but to in-state programs whenever those programs got uh, mm. got better. So it's really kind of a a twofold thing. They're losing them just to, you know, big national powers from far away and, and growing ones inside the state. Oh, that's great analysis. Um, <laughs> talking about college football with Oklahoma, uh, transitioning to speaking about them specifically, I don't know if you watched uh, – what was the show called? I was just talking about Logan. QB1, Under Lights, or whatever oh, it is. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So you probably know where this conversation is going with, with Spencer Rattler. Um, let's talk about him for a second. He's an interesting guy. Um, you know, coming into Oklahoma, have, being phenomenal in high school, bit of a diva for sure. Uh, <laughs> if From the show, I don't know if he matured uh, a ton during his freshman year at Oklahoma. Um, but what do you make of him? What do you think his future is in for Oklahoma? Um, and, and what does it look like uh, this season specifically? Uh, well, I, I like that you mentioned QB1 that you guys have already watched this. So you know what I'm probably about to say. If you've watched 
any or any or, or, or all three of the seasons, you've noticed that number one QB in the in the country always seems to have. Um, I don't know how to put this in a nice way. Uh, a head bigger than the state of Texas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, Justin Fields. Oh, Justin man. Fields, Tate Martell. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Tate um, Martell, yeah. All, all three of them uh, between those those two and Rattler, uh, massive heads. And, you know, it is it is one of those things where he, you know, you want to you wanna say, man, he's such, he's such an egotistical maniac. Like, but at the same time, you know, I think we're just getting a behind-the-scenes curtain look at a lot of those guys. Those are the same guys we see every Saturday. You just don't. You just yeah. don't see them behind the scenes. You're like, man, they've, they've, they, they definitely think a lot of themselves, but you're like, man, this is how they've operated for years. Um, but I think, you know, my comparison, um, you know, to him would be more towards the Baker Mayfields of the world. I mean, not only just from the attitude, but from the way he plays. Um, I don't mean that in a, in a – in, I'm about to probably sound disrespectful. I don't see him in the, the mobility stand uh, – mobility-wise as much like a Kyler Murray – um, where with, he doesn't have an explosive, explosive um, mobility where he's going to take off and gash you for a 75-yard touchdown. And he's also not Jalen Hurts level where he's so powerful, you can run him like a running back. He's kind of a, a thinner build, comes in as a, as a great, um, a great passer. Got a, got a, got a good arm, um, accurate. I don't know if you saw his numbers he put up in when, when he was at uh, Pinnacle, Pinnacle High School in Arizona, threw for over 11,000 yards. He's a much more of a passer. He's a good runner. Absolutely do not want to do not want to short him on his running ability. But when you watch him, you're like, he does have a little more of a Baker Mayfield style to him. So for me, I think, you know, Lincoln Riley, you know, he's got a quarterback that that more probably suited his system that he had the first few years with Mayfield and Murray, as opposed to this last year where they were more of a, of, of a run first team. You know, I know they threw the ball a lot, but I, I, I know they ran the ball a lot, but they probably like to get back to uh, the way they were before, which was Mayfield and Murray. Um, throwing a little bit more and they've got the weapons I know they lost you know people think man they just lost CeeDee Lamb how are they gonna how are they gonna respond to that but he's still got quite a few guys in there whether it be um, Jaden Hazelwood um, you know you got uh, Rambo Charleston Rambo you're gonna have Jeremiah Hall Austin Stogner's a guy to watch for this year and then they've, they've got a great backfield so he's got plenty of weapons um, you know he's a young guy but he's had a lot of pressure on him his whole life so I could see Oklahoma um, having pretty good success, and I mean, so far Lincoln Riley hasn't led anybody astray. So you, you got to believe he's going to get him right before the season starts. So let me so, get this straight: you compared Spencer Rattler to Baker Mayfield, which means that you're by the transitive property comparing Spencer Rattler to Logan Sartain. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> which he, if he watched QB one, he's about to really hate me for that. <laughs> I didn't. Fortunately for you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Because that is not – I know that is not your style at all. And he is, he's just as much like Mayfield, so. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Logan, you're more like a Jake Fromm personality from that show. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, guy. he's a good guy on that show. <laughs> he is a good guy. Well, good deal. Good deal. So, how, Colin, how good can he be? Is he, is he as good as Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, better, different? I, I, man, this is, this is what's going to be interesting. As opposed to the, the last three – you know, those guys all transferred in. So Riley got them after, um, you know, they were, they were at a place before. Um, you know, first of all, Mayfield obviously came from a great offensive mind in, in Kingsbury. Not a successful program maybe at Tech, but he came from a good offensive mind. And uh, the other two kind of had some struggles, obviously, from where they came from. A&M didn't necessarily treat 
Murray well. They did the, the, the quarterback carousel with he and Kyle Allen. So he kind of, you know, came in completely, I wouldn't say ruined, but from where he was at Allen, you know, he had a ridiculous mm-hmm. ceiling and A&M kind of ruined him for a few years. Um, not that he didn't have the skills that were there. It just, you know, it didn't work out. And then if you go with Hertz, obviously Tua took over the job and he transferred away. So this is the first we're going to, we're about to see something that, that really hasn't happened under Lincoln Riley yet. A quarterback that's going to be groomed from him from day one. Uh, they're going to have time to fully learn the system. I know Mayfield did redshirt, so I guess he's going to have kind of the same timetable as Mayfield right. if he does start this season. Um, but it's the first time where a guy coming right out from high school is going to say, hey, I chose Oklahoma. I chose Lincoln Riley. You know, this is, this is where it's going to be. Not those other guys didn't, because uh, obviously Mayfield would be the first to tell you he didn't get the offers that he wanted. Um, but – He's, he's, he's coming into that system day one. So I think his potential is, is through the roof. The, what, what Riley does um, offensively, he always maximizes um, his skills as a, uh, you know, his, the, the skills of his quarterbacks. You know, when you watch mm-hmm. uh, the first two guys, he knew he had two very talented passers. He maximized their passing potential. I think it was last year when I heard that Hertz was going to be transferring uh, to Oklahoma. I wrote, I was like, look, if you expect – Oklahoma to run the exact same offense you're crazy Jalen Hurts is a fantastic runner he 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 you know he's he probably I think he ran like what like a four six four five forty but he runs like a running back I mean he's a he's a monster so I was like you're they're, they're totally gonna run him but they're gonna run him in a way where Riley definitely capitalizes on on his legs constantly and so now they're gonna get what they can out of Rattler and obviously he's a five-star talent so the sky's the limit and we could be hearing about him before too long so so I, I read this article, or I skimmed this article from uh, Sporting News. They ranked the top 25 quarterbacks in college football this year. So see, see if you have any reaction to a few of these. Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, number 15. Okay. Uh, we got Spencer. You, you wait, wait until the end of the list. You want me to interject while you're going off the numbers? Yeah, let me just no, let me name a few of these, and then we'll get your opinion on it. Uh, number 13, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. Number 12, Kellen Mond, A&M. And we'll skip up a little bit some of these. Uh, number four, Sam Ellinger, Texas. Got it. And number two is – okay, so number three is Sam Howe, North Carolina. I thought that was interesting. But two, yeah. Justin Fields. And number one, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, one and two, probably pretty, pretty solid. What are yeah. your thoughts about how those others fall in there? Uh, well, Hal had probably one of the one of the best and most underrated freshman seasons um, in college football history. If you go back and look at his season, it was pretty unbelievable. Uh, the numbers he was able to put up and the trust they put in him, you know, for such a young guy. Mac Brown put all his eggs in that basket, and it worked out incredibly well. Um, you know, North Carolina didn't have the best season. I think they finished seven and six, so he kind of flew under the radar. Everyone's like, "Who's this Sam Howell guy?" Um, mm-hmm. But but he's definitely I could understand where he probably finished fourth, but he's probably that guy that or is he, was it third or fourth he was third third yeah he's third uh, ellinger yeah. was fourth yeah him finishing third i could i could see that Elling, ellinger is the is is another guy i like to think he's he's been pretty um pretty much hated on I, and i don't understand this you know and i grant i'm a i'm a texas a&m guy but i actually really um liked ellinger i talked to todd dodge i interviewed todd dodge when i was working at a different publication about Ellinger, when he was in high school, and I asked him, I said, you know, where does he rank? You've had some great quarterbacks. The Chase Daniels, uh, the Greg McElroys, his own son, Riley Dodge, was a state championship winning quarterback. And he, he said, he goes, Sam's right up there with him. 
you know, he absolutely believes, which means he's an NFL quarterback because two of the three I just named are NFL guys. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought Sam had incredible potential. I think Texas fans are just, and nothing, not, not for you, but plenty are irrational or just like, if he doesn't want us a natty or a big 12, he's worth nothing. And I'm like, look, this guy brought you two fantastic postseason wins the last couple of years. And last right. year, you know, everyone's like, oh, he took a step back. And I'm like, actually, if you look at his season as a whole, he threw the ball a lot better. The problem was, is their defense was so injured. I mean, they couldn't hold up against a lot of teams. So, you know, people wanted to put, put and pin a lot of things on Sam. And yeah, he's had some, some miscues in some big games. But at the same time, I'm like, Sam's a fantastic starting quarterback. I would say 95% of programs would be happy to have him as their starter. Um, Kellen Mond is someone I have watched quite a bit. If, if, if you watched A&M football two years ago, or I guess it would be th- three years ago this fall, um, in 2017 when he first started, you would have seen someone totally different from who he is now. Um, what, what Jimbo Fisher has been able to do is, is unreal because I think he was completing almost barely over 50% of his passes. He looked like he was lost without a cause at times. I think against UCLA, he threw three for 17 through the air. Uh, in his first game. So you were like, man, I don't know if this guy, you know, is going to be able to last. And he split time with Nick Starkle. So you're like, I don't know if he's going to make it out. But what he's done, becoming one of the more efficient passers in college football um, is deserved. He gets a lot of hate, too. Um, He's one of those guys that for some reason, again, A&M fans are just as irrational sometimes as UT. And like, if you're not delivering us 10 win seasons or an SEC title, we don't care. But um, he's a great quarterback. And I think that showed with some pre-draft evaluations listing him, I think, in the top 75. Um, I saw that in a couple places for, for, for all of the prospects, and I was like, that's, that's certainly impressive uh, and, and probably deserved. And if he has a great year, I, I could definitely see him going uh, day one, day two, for sure. So uh, I, I could see that happening. And then Rattler, like we said, you know, part of that is based on the fact that, you know, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. You pair that with Lincoln Riley, you're going to have uh, fun times, and you're going to be putting up a lot of points. So I wouldn't doubt if, if by, you know, week five, everyone's already starting a Heisman campaign for him if things go right. So uh, that's, that's pretty understandable. And, and Sanders is a tough one. Um, saw a lot of flashes last year that were really good. And then you saw a lot of flashes that were really, really bad. Um, there were, you know, there are a lot of Oklahoma State fans I talk with up here. And, and, and you know, they, they, they were all behind him before the year because they couldn't stand Taylor Cornelius. And then as soon mm-hmm. as he has one bad game, they all turn their backs on him. And I'm just like, look, you know, he's going to go through some struggles. He's a young guy. Um, you know, he, he also ended up losing Tylen Wallace for the year. So, I mean, you know, it's, you, you lose your number one target. That causes him to, you know, have some confidence and chemistry issues with some other guys. He, he's going to be fine, I think, as long as he comes back this year healthy, um, you know, and, and ready to go. He took a lot of hits last year. Um, and so I think if he's healthy, he, he'll be one of, the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 because anytime you have Chuba Hubbard with you, and uh, anytime he pulls the ball, he's a fantastic runner. So if he pulls the ball uh, and, and manages to get some, get some open room, he can bust one just like, Ch- just like Chub- Chuba can, blah. So I think it could be a fun year in the Big 12 if things roll right for them. Yeah. So I'll be excited to, to follow up with you kind of maybe midseason or early on in the season and really talk more in depth about the, the QBs that we talked about on this list and and dive in once we've seen a little more, but let's, let's take a step back and, you know, Oklahoma has dominated the big 12. Like you said, they've been the only team from the big 12 to make it to the playoff. 
Um, I'll, I'll argue TCU should have one year, um, the year that they crushed Ole Miss in their bowl game. But so Texas has had, you know, disappointing seasons, regular seasons, and then unexpected wins in the postseason. Yeah. And it, it's just a mixed bag. Like, in you know, Baylor's got a new head coach. Uh, TCU, you know, they were, they were all right last year. Is there anyone that's going to challenge Oklahoma this season, or is Oklahoma going to continue to dominate the Big 12? Uh, you know, I mean, you want to say somebody else can definitely challenge them. Uh, OU is obviously the returning champ, so I'm not going to, you know, shy away from that, that obviously they're going to be the favorite. Um, they've won it for so many years, and it's because, you know, over the last few, they've just been able to put up an unreasonable amount of points. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter who it is. Each time they go out, they're going to put up points. So, um, I, I think it's possible, though, if, let's say, Texas manages to stay healthy, uh, Ellinger continues to make that uh, m progress and, and maybe makes that next jump into becoming an even uh, more elite passer. Um, I think that's kind of been his thing is, you know, obviously he's a fantastic runner, but um, and, and, and he can make the throws in between the numbers. But people have always said, you know, he's had trouble stretching the field. His arm may not be um, elite. So if he's able to maybe stretch some and make some big-time NFL-type throws this year, uh, there's no, there's no doubt Texas could challenge. Uh, Oklahoma State can absolutely challenge. They brought back a lot of players. I think, you know, to, to, to see Tylen Wallace come back, Chuba Hubbard, uh, that's, that's good things. Anytime you have a young quarterback who's going to get his top two guys back in any offense. Um, and then, you know, you forget, I think uh, Calvin Bundage, who was the linebacker who was lost for the year last year, didn't get to play a snap, will be back for Oklahoma State. So, you know, that'll, that'll definitely boost the defense. OU, it'll be interesting to see how OU response because I'm wondering you know losing losing a guy like Kenneth Murray obviously is going to be hurting you because he's a fantastic leader ultra productive so losing him and Neville Gallimore on defense um, are going to be huge losses I mean you know to, to be able to replace those and how they go from here and if they can progress we'll kind of decide if if they can win another Big 12 championship and if Texas and Oklahoma State can can make that next step will be um, what it depends upon because those are those are my two to challenge for it okay. uh, Baylor obviously Baylor obviously I, I was about to lose out on Baylor I wasn't thinking uh, you know Charlie Brewer back uh, Baylor's always uh, got a good team but without Matt Rule where are they going to be so you know there's there's three good teams right there that could challenge Oklahoma and uh, maybe have a shot at, at seeing someone different up on the podium come December well awesome Colin we are about to run out of time and I don't want to say anything I shouldn't but thank you to our listeners for listening and uh, Colin, thank you for your service. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs>